Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Grounded Podcast with Pastor Matt Round. This is episode 34, and today we are going to be answering the question, how can I know God's plan for my life? It's a good question that most Christians will have, especially young Christians. So today we are going to have Pastor Matt answer it. Hello, Pastor Matt. Hey, Noah. So uh, I don't think it's possible to reach through the microphone and to say, this is God's specific plan for your life. Um, but I don't think that's what most people expect when they tune into a podcast like this. So what broadly are we asking? I think we're asking about uh, how do we know and then follow God's will for our life? Um, sometimes when we use words like will, it puts it into maybe a little bit more of a theological concept rather than the practical application of something like a plan. The plan talks about a step-by-step this is what I do. When we think about a will, maybe it's a more broad desire for my life, but really you can't separate the two. So we need to think through how does a Christian discern and then follow God's will for their life? And what does that even mean? Can we know God's will for us? Or do we just have to kind of stumble through life and figure it out? And the reality is that God has told us uh, in a lot of very, very specific and practical ways what his will for us is. And if we understand God's will for our life, then we can use that to help us make decisions that rightly and obediently move toward following after his plan. So broadly, what is the will of God uh, when I'm trying to decide between one thing and another? Uh, what are some kind of broad principles that I can use to see whether something is really God's will or not? Well, in Romans 12, Paul writes this in Romans 12, 1 and 2. We've Many of us have heard these verses before. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, so that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So when we talk about the will of God, it is always going to be something that is good and acceptable and perfect, complete, uh, something that's not lacking, which means that the will of God uh, for my life, God's plan for my life will never be something that is sinful. It will never be something that is uh, contrary to his nature, his character. It'll never run contrary to his commands. Uh, so is God's plan for my life to date this unbeliever? While that is a serious question and one that impacts a lot of people, if we are called not to be unequally yoked, if we are called uh, not to have uh, ourselves bound to people who are still walking in darkness, then the answer becomes pretty clear and that God's will, no matter how wonderful that person is, is not for you to pursue a marriage relationship or even a dating relationship, I would say, uh, with someone who really can't pursue God's will with you. So uh, God's will will always broadly move us toward what is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul also goes on to talk to the Thessalonian church uh, pretty specifically about God's will. In 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 1 through 4, he writes this. It says, Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. Uh, another broad principle there. What is God's will for my life? Well, God's will is my sanctification. What does sanctification mean? It's the process of becoming more holy. It's that process of becoming more and more like Christ, being increasing life, increasingly set apart from the world and set apart to God. And that is a progressive uh, process thing that happens over the life of a believer. But we know broadly that God's will 
involves those things that will make us more like him. So again, we process our decisions through that. Is this decision something that propels me in the direction of Christ-likeness or not? If it is God's will, then it will move me toward Christ-likeness. All writes in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 through 18, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. What is God's will for our life? Uh, that we are rejoicing, prayerful, thankful people. I can be absolutely certain that it is God's will for my life that I give thanks in all of my circumstances. In order to give thanks in all of my circumstances, I have to understand that God's will is not first and foremost for my happiness. It's not for my comfort. It's not for my pleasure, but that God's will is for my sanctification, for my holiness, which means that any situation that makes me more like Christ is one that I can be thankful for. And that doesn't always mean that God's will leads us to easy places. Uh, the book of First Peter in particular is very, very pointed and specific that the will of God for his children is not always what is easy, but it helps us think through the idea that just because something is hard doesn't mean that it's not God's will. Uh, just because something will be a struggle, just because something will cost me uh, time, effort, resources, even uh, strain and even pain, just because something will lead me into those does not mean that it's not God's will. In First Peter chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 3, Peter says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, You've been grieved by various trials. The idea that this great eternal hope that we have, uh, this unending, unfading, reserved hope in heaven for us, it's not thwarted, it's not put aside, it's not derailed, it's not circumvented by earthly pain, because right now, for a little while, if necessary, and the implication is that it is necessary, you're grieved by various trials. What's the purpose of that? It says, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Sometimes God's will is for me to move through painful circumstances, fiery trials even, so that my faith is refined. I might see no earthly good, no earthly value in my present pain or suffering, but it is producing something of eternal value. First Peter chapter 2, the very next chapter in First Peter 2.13, he says, be subject to the Lord's sake, or excuse me, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Uh, Peter did not live with a benevolent representative government. He lived under the harshness of the dictators of Rome, uh, men who were unpredictable at best, uh, overtly hostile and murderous at worst, and under Nero, who would finally take Peter's life. I mean, he would give his life to the Roman emperor for the sake of the gospel. And Peter says, submit to them. Why? Because the will of God is that by doing good, even in difficult circumstances, we silence those who would speak against us and our faith. So God's will involves not even suffering, not even, not only suffering, but our response to suffering and our right response to suffering. In first Peter three, he says, but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake in verse 14, You'll be blessed, have no fear of them, nor be troubled. In your hearts, honor Christ as the Lord, 
as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you're slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. The idea that you can suffer even for doing what is right as a part of God's will. Sometimes God's will involves the suffering of his children, even in their obedience, not just in their discipline, but sometimes even in their obedience. And we know that we can do that. First Peter 4.19, that those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. That we can trust God even in suffering because he is faithful. All that to say, how do I know God's plan for my life? Well, first of all, I have to understand that God's broad plan for my life is to make me more like Christ. God's greatest goal for my life, God's will for my life is to make me more like Christ. And so if I'm trying to figure out practically how to live that out, then my priority has to be the same as God's. Anytime I try to put my priority, whether that's work or money or relationship or happiness or peace or rest or recreation or any of those things above God's will for my life, even things that we would call good things, security, safety, um, a a good marriage relationship. When I begin to pursue those things ahead of Christ-likeness, then the danger is that I make those things an idol and I begin to want my will over God's and I lose the ability to see how God is working even in difficult circumstances in those things. But then we ask, how practically do I know the will of God? How do I know what God's plan is for my life? If I understand that his will is my sanctification, if I buy in wholeheartedly to the fact that God's goal is to make me more like Christ, how then do I begin to do that? How, what do I need to do that? Well, first of all, like Paul wrote in Romans 12, that this only happens through a renewed and transformed mind, uh, that the unsaved individual, the one who is not filled with the Holy Spirit, the one whose the gospel has not penetrated and brought light where there was darkness, uh, they're not capable of pursuing God's plan for their life. They're not capable of pursuing God's will because their flesh makes it impossible. Uh, so that gospel transformation is necessary. The renewed and transformed mind is necessary because if we're going to pursue something, we have to be thinking rightly about it. What else is necessary? Well, God's word. We have to, God has revealed himself not through warm and fuzzy feelings, not through our desires, not through our emotions, not even through our experiences. God has revealed himself through his word. And so along with the psalmist in Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Sometimes our path gets really dark because we've taken away the source of light that God has given us. Uh, when I am without wisdom, it would make the most sense to go to the place with the most wisdom. And that is God's word that speaks perfectly to us. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Again, a, a very common verse, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. God promises to direct our paths, uh, to make our paths straight. Our part of that is we have to trust him, acknowledge him and lean on him and not our own understanding. And then practically when it comes to how we make decisions, if I'm willing to do all those things, if I prayerfully considered a decision, if I've read God's word to see what it says about a decision, Um, When I counsel people, I like to say that uh, God's will often is confirmed by three things lining up, and that is gifting, desire, and opportunity. Um, When we're making plans, when we have practical decisions to make, do I take this job or this job? Do I go to this college or this college? Do I move to this neighborhood or this neighborhood? Uh, Do I, whatever it might be. Those three things, the way that God has gifted and equipped you, the opportunity, the door that is open to you, and the desire that our biblically informed, ultimately humbly submitted desires to God, they play a part in our decisions. And 
This is why it's so important to process these things in community because so often it's the church that helps you see where you are gifted, that refines that gifting, uh, that encourages you and exhorts you and, and equips you in the way to find how you are gifted to serve. Uh, very often it's through his people that you see where opportunities line up and get encouragement toward those things that help you see potential pitfalls that you might not be aware of. But it, broadly, we can pursue those things. Again, understanding that if we have submitted it to God's desires, if we are pursuing Christ's likeness, if we have humbly sought advice and counsel, then gifting desire and opportunity go a long way. And then the natural question is, well, what if I get it wrong? What if I move to the wrong house in the wrong neighborhood and I take the wrong job? Uh, have I blown up God's will for my life? Well, a couple of things that we need to remember. Proverbs nineteen twenty one: many plans are in a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord will stand. God is not surprised by our actions. God's will is not thwarted even by our foolishness. Job 42, verse 2, Job says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. That if God determines something, that because he is sovereign, because he is absolute Lord and master and authority over all of his creation, that nothing can undo that. We go to the Old Testament, we see in places like Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. And that verse is often misquoted and we forget that God is speaking to Israel, but you forget sometimes that God is speaking to a rebellious Israel. Uh, one that is going to undergo judgment and removal from their land. And yet God's purposes aren't thwarted. Even by their sin, even by their rebellion, God's purposes stand for his people. So where do we find a parallel for us as new covenant believers? I like to go to Philippians chapter one, verse six, Paul writes, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. If God's ultimate purpose for us is to make us like his son, and if through a number of places in scripture, Romans eight, and that idea of those that he calls, he justifies and glorifies. This place in Philippians 1, 6, so many places that tell us that God will accomplish his will in us. We don't have to move forward in fear of what if I do the wrong thing. As sinful, fallen, finite people, we are going to make poor decisions. And sometimes those decisions have consequences. You make a bad investment, you lose money on that return. Um, and yet, God's purposes in our life aren't thwarted by our sin, by our foolishness, by our ignorance. And so it really gives us a great deal of confidence and freedom in how we make decisions. God's given us the roadmap, where to find wisdom, how to pursue wisdom, how to invite others into that process, what we should ultimately be pursuing in all of our decisions. And as we're as faithful as we can be to the glory of God in those things, we can move forward with joy and confidence, knowing that even where we misstep and even where we fall, that God is not surprised, shocked, caught off guard, or forced to move to a plan B, that he is still going to accomplish that primary purpose of making us more like the sun. And it's a work that he guarantees that he will finish once he's begun. Thank you very much, Pastor Matt. And thank you for listening to this episode. If you want to listen to more episodes regarding this topic, you can find some more at thegroundedpodcast.com. If you have a question of your own, please send us an email, groundedwithmattround at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next week.